Hi, everyone, and welcome to the special simulcast of the Neil Haley Show and Celebrity Interviews live from the Grotto with Greg Hanna. Greg, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm doing amazing, Neil. Having a great week, and I'm sure you are as well. You've been very busy this year. Oh, it's been a busy, already celebrity grotto. I mean, just imagine by the end of the year who Greg's going to get to talk to as he puts his laundry list of uh, celebrities. And this one here, absolutely. I remember when I had him on the, the radio show, he talked so much about this amazing story. But I want to welcome Quentin Heron. We know him mostly from the blind side, but he has other projects as well after the blind side. Quentin, how are you? And I'm it, great. But it, your story mirrors michael Orr's, and that's the thing that in certain ways of comeback stories of being down to nothing and to where you end up getting this opportunity so i'm going to jump right into the question of quentin before even this opportunity did you want to be an actor was that something on your radar ever yes yes i uh i started acting at age nine but uh mostly in theater but I always had the the hopes of being in film and television so Acting was a lifelong dream of mine. Wow. Okay, Greg. Greg what inspired in. you to want to be an actor at nine? I mean, geez, that's early. And what, what gave you the bug? Yeah, it was early. Um, so I got bullied a lot when I was a kid. And uh, I always wondered why didn't they like me? And my, I always had this love for film and TV. So my escape when I came home was to dive into these characters that I watched and I would pretend to be certain characters like uh when I put on my my church suit for Sunday for for church I would uh pretend to be James Bond and so I'd walk around the house and I'm talking with my little fake British accent <laughs> and barking orders at my brother and my mom until I got a shoe thrown at me one day for that <laughs> and it was yeah it just but it was it was just funny I I, I had different characters I was Batman I was you know, Michelangelo, the orange Ninja Turtle, you know what I mean? I, I, I just, I would escape into fantasy world of these characters that I watched and I got good at imitating them. And at the time I didn't know acting was what I wanted to do. My mom signed me up for the school uh, drama club, I guess you call it. And uh, I did my first stage play and this was, um, it was during Black History Month actually. I was nine years old, so this was 30 years ago. <laughs> it was like February something 30 years ago, because I'm 39 right now. And uh, yeah, I, I caught the bug because after we did that play and the kids responded to my performance, it was the first time that I felt like instead of them laughing at me, they were laughing with me and they were applauding and, and given the kind of emotion and gratitude that I, that I had longed for from them as opposed to what I was getting on the regular. So that right there, uh, I guess, sparked that, that, that fire to, to seek out this profession. And, you know, again, at the end of the day, I was nine, so I didn't know quite yet what it was but I know I had I got joy from doing it and that's what I wanted to pursue a long time and that's that's the, that's the thing is pursue it and know you love it but the journey wasn't easy right and we're going to talk yeah. a little bit about that story because that story is amazing but at nine what were your act, acting prospects you know we talk always these athletes say hey I know I'm going to be in the NFL 
Well, it's going to be a, a challenge, but at this point at nine, did you have the resources available to really get the opportunities in acting? Well, see, at nine, all I had was drama in school and my mom telling me I can do it. So my mom was my biggest inspiration, motivation, influence, because, you know, she was very creative as well. She was a writer. Uh, she actually did a play herself. She wrote a play and directed it. Um, and it was just, she was always there lifting me up and letting me know that I could do anything I put my mind to. She's the reason why I'm here where I am today. She got me to the, the audition for The Blind Side. My mom was my biggest supporter. And I try and be that for other kids and everything uh, coming up because it's very necessary and important in today's society that we have someone in our corner lifting us up, especially as a young child, when you aspire to do something, you know, it could come and go just as fast as it came if you don't have the right tools at your disposal, which is not necessarily things that you can buy, but the the, the creative uh, backing of someone who can see the vision that you have and, and help you seek it out. You know, like my mom, again, she was all I needed because in the beginning, when you're trying to do something, you have all this self-doubt on whether or not you can do it until that person in your life that has your ear starts to tell you you can, and then you start believing it. Because once you start believing it in here and here, then you're going to do it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And that's what my mom did for me. She she allowed me to believe that I can, and so I did. No, that's great. So so that single that you have, you know, Lead With Love, and what was the inspiration for that? And, you know, what, what pictures and feelings do, does it bring to you when you're uh, performing that? So Lead With Love is, uh, it started, because this is a model of mine. I believe in leading my life through love. And so I always also had a love for music. I started singing when I was four and um, I joined the church choir and stuff at nine as well. So, you know, those kind of intertwined with one another. I grew up singing in church, but Lead With Love was something that I always feel like doing. I believe in doing things out of love or not doing it at all. Um, I'm a very positive minded person. So I said, if I was going to do music, I want to put out a message that not only represents me and my, and my goals in life, but can also inspire people and uplift them the way that the movie did. So that's what Lead With Love came to life from. You know, and that's interesting that you say that. What was music always part of you? So you said it was part of you in choir. But when you talk about the blind side and acting, were you doing music at the same time all the time or not? Or was music? No, no, no. I, I was mainly singing in church. So music was like a passion of mine. Um, I think I decided long, long ago that I wanted to be, keep it as a love and not as a job. You know what I mean? I felt like if I pursued it as a career, it would become work and it wouldn't be as fun. You know what I mean? You know, I didn't want, I don't want to put myself in a position where people can control the kind of music I do, um, you know, control me as an artist or, you know, make me represent what they want me to represent. No, I'm, I'm 
completely neutral. If I'm going to do music, I want to do the kind of music I want to do and put it out. And, you know, if it blows up, it blows up. If it doesn't, at least I did it, you know? So. <laughs> oh, that's great. You know, when we were uh, in the green room earlier before we got started, you know, you had mentioned that you had done some other uh, uh, acting and, and films or movies, um, you know, after Blindside. You know, what were those? And uh, what got you into this? Yes. Um, after the blind side, I did a, a ton of uh, the movies. I did um, a movie called Halfway, uh, which was cool. I was approached by this director who he's he's British. He was based out of London. He had this story that he wrote, and it was about himself uh, as a child because he has family over here in the States, and he went to stay with them when he was younger. And so he wrote this story, but he said he wanted to do something different. And instead of finding someone who looked like him and played a role, he was a big fan of mine and wanted to see my take on it. And so we went with that. And it was pretty cool because I got to live out life on a, a dairy farm for about a month. <laughs> and uh, I was living like a farmer. I was up at 4.30 a.m. feeding calves, you know, um, doing doing farm work, basically. And it was tough, but it was it was interesting. And I got to milk a cow. I remember making a joke one time when they taught me how to milk a cow. I was like, this is, you know, the most action I got from a woman in a long time. And, and it was, <laughs> everybody fell out. I was like, goodness, I got the second base with her. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, no, it was, uh, it was fun. It was a lot of great experiences. I went horseback riding. Uh, just living life in a farm town, it was just a cool experience. And let me tell you, like the bowling alley out there, I got the I got served the best one of the best bone-in ribeye steaks that I've ever had. Really, and it was only ten dollars. I was like, oh my god, <laughs> that's my favorite steak. First of all, bone-in ribeye, yeah. let's go. And it was at a bowling alley for ten dollars, and it was just phenomenal. So I was like, yeah, I love yeah. Monfort, Wisconsin was where I was at, you know. Amazing. Uh, yeah, so I, yeah, it was amazing. I did, I did a cool, a couple cool projects that I loved over the years. Um, I did my first rom-com a couple of years ago with Haley Duff, and uh, that was called The Wedding Pact 2. Um, it's out now on Amazon and a couple other things. And I, I was a part of this film called It's Not My Fault and I Don't Care Anyway. And that was Alan Thicke's uh, God Rest His Soul. That was his last film. Wow. And that was a cool, dark comedy we shot up in Canada. I interviewed Alan about a year before he passed away on my show. And what a great guy. Let's jump to specifically last time. I call this a part two, even though it's been eight years, nine years to drum a radio show. We, you talked about mm -hmm. the amazing story. A lot of people know that, but what about once you go to fame, you know, like it's from unknown to fame opposite Sandra Bullock, mm -hmm. the movie comes out. How did you respond to this limelight going to the Oscars, going to these places, all these different things, seeing people you've idolized your whole life now being in front of them. How did you handle that? Oh man, it was, it was definitely uh it took getting used to. It was a, a journey, but um, I, I, I for the most part, just tried to keep everything I was feeling inside, inside, instead of 
outside because uh, on the outside, I was like, oh my God, there's Jennifer Lopez. Oh my God, that's, you know, it was just, yeah, <laughs> I was losing it. I think I remember one point I was standing at the Vanity Fair party and I saw J-Lo and, you know, I'm from the Bronx, you know, Jenny from the block. Yeah, I, that's, oh my God, I've been in love with her forever. <laughs> And I'm sitting there, I'm like, that's Jen. I'm going to go talk to her. And I'm saying this to myself, I'm going to go talk to her. Yeah, no. Uh, and I'm talking to myself like someone's in front of me. And I, I'm sure people see me. <laughs> and as soon as Mark Anthony walked away, I made my way over a beeline, started talking to her. And that was just, it made my night. Um, there was a, a moment where I'm standing at the bar and waiting for my drink, and then Tom Hanks comes up and starts talking to me, and I'm like, oh my god, this is, dude, Forrest Gump is talking to me right now. This is crazy. <laughs> and I'll just, yeah. So, um, I don't know, taking in that moment was definitely something that was a joyful experience for me. It's like, these are the people I grew up watching on TV who are now in my presence, and they know who I am, and it's like, what? <laughs> You know what I mean? It was so cool, but uh, definitely um, an experience to remember for a lifetime. That's great. Do you do you stay in touch with any of the people that were in uh, the blind side with you, like Tim McGraw or Sandra Bullock or any of those people? Or um, I do keep in touch with Sandy and uh, Jay. Those are the two mains, and then uh, some of the characters, some of the other actors that I met along the way, uh, like T Bone, the one who, I mean, well, I call T Bone from. Uh, from The Walking Dead, but he played Alton in The Blind Side, who I beat up, and uh, and the one that Sandra like antagonizes at one point. Uh, yeah, me and him are good friends. Uh, Jay, who plays SJ, me and him are great friends. We're like brothers. I know him more than half his life now. <laughs> uh, he was he was twelve when we were filming. He's like what twenty seven now. So, and he's you know, my boy. That's like my little brother for real. Um, yeah. Uh, who else, who else, who else? I haven't spoke to Lily in years. I think the last time I saw her was like 10 years ago. And uh, I haven't been able to reconnect with Tim McGraw, but um, I know they're all still out there. And I, I feel like we should probably do something one year for like a like a little reunion or something. I don't know. This is the fifth Exactly. I think it needs to some positivity. So let's talk to Greg. So Greg exactly. understands the story because Greg has not seen The Blind Side. It was one of my favorite movies, but there was a tarnish towards this movie, which I guess put Quentin back on center stage again. But ultimately, <laughs> it was a tremendous story. It goes to one of the most, I guess, Rudy, The Blind Side, uh, the one about the Alabama. There's only certain sports movies that have a story like that, just makes people go tears in their eyes right was that like Leon and, Marshall? yeah things like yeah. that when you agree there's certain sports movies and this is one of mm -hmm. the top ranked ones and how to, to see this being tarnished what were you what was your response to this how did you feel about this and how did i guess you just you talked to sandy you have that's funny when you like greg to call your friend sandy and sandra bullock come on now but you know kind of explain how you dealt with it um, you know, it's 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 one of those things where I found out about it at the same time the world did. It was a shock. Um August 14 <laughs> last year, that uh day before my birthday, I get this 
you know, um, ESPN thing, and it says the Blind Side, Michael Orr, and I'm like, oh wait, we're in ESPN again. So I start reading it, and I'm looking, I'm like, damn, uh, what? So it's like that hit me at the same time as everyone else did. And then, you know, my phone started blowing up, people calling this, that, and other. Uh, it was it was an unfortunate uh, happening, you know, to, to say the least, because knowing the family, I have met the real family, kept in touch with the two East over the years. And um, uh, me and Michael never really had a relationship. You know, we met once. And uh, I, I, so I saw him briefly before one of his games in 2010. He was going against the Falcons, and someone brought me down to the the tunnel with a team ready to come out and introduced us real quick right before they ran out. And I was like, Quentin is Michael. Michael, Quentin played you in the blind side. He's like, oh, what's up, man? I, I, I was like, okay. I, that's, you go ahead and do it, man. <laughs> he ran off. So that was the first time we saw each other. Second time we both did an autograph signing in Chicago. Uh, this was 2013. So this is the year that the Ravens won the Super Bowl. And I, I got to meet Michael, Ray Lewis, Ray Rice, and a couple other players um, <clears throat> at this autograph signing. And so, but that was the extent of, of and I interaction toward one another because I hadn't met him before filming. So me and Michael never really knew each other. Um, but the two East came to set. Michael never did. He was trying to get into the league. So I, I was I became familiar with the family and everything and uh keep in touch with them over the years and stuff. But I, it's not like like a real relationship or whatever. I write them on holidays and stuff and say happy new years or you know, Christmas or something like that. Excuse me. So when I saw this whole thing come out in the media, it was a it was a shock because you know. I had no idea, first of all, but then secondly, everything that all of the hope that comes from this film uh, is based on the fact that people feel like that's how it is in real life. So when you see that that's not what it's like, of course, it's it's going to bring about some kind of emotion that's going to make you feel like, oh, my God, this is disheartening. But I, I don't think it should take away from the legacy of the film. You know, I think the film should stand on its own because at the end of the day, no one has ever claimed that every single thing in a movie is 100% true. You know, it, it normally says based on true events, which is true. It's based on true events. Uh, all the characters are real people. The story may not have been told 100% the, the, the true and true faction, but it's still based on a true story. So, uh, I mean, as unfortunate as what the family and Michael are going through, I just hope that they can come to some sort of resolve that will leave them whole and move on, you know? So, Mike, again, so what we learned from Quentin and this whole thing about Michael is that, again, it was a, a heartfelt movie. You couldn't write a storybook like that, and it's not really the truth. But what reality and real i mean reality shows aren't real so i guess we, we were entertained by this movie you did a tremendous job playing michael Orr. sandra did an amazing job everyone on this and it was a tremendous movie they'll always remember but hopefully people will forget but they do forget quickly a lot of people mess up badly and then they come back 
who, who I don't remember what happened with him. So hopefully that'll be the same thing for you, but you got to at least talk about it and deal with it. And, and everyone else processed it in so many ways. So Greg, that's your homework assignment to watch the blind side. Great. Movie. <laughs> Fantastic movie. Go ahead, Greg, with your final question. Your well, see, before I do that, Neil, but let me, let me ask you. So basically to sum up what you just said is don't let the truth get in the way of a good story. Yes, basically, because yeah. the, the movie inspired so many people over the years. You know, I've had some current NFL players come to me and tell me I played football because of your movie, you know, and and it's like, that's amazing to to hear. Like, you're in the pros and you're telling me it's because of my movie. Like, what? OK, awesome. So like to take away from the movie is to take away from everyone whose life has been changed because of that film. And I don't think that that should happen. You know, there right. were people yelling, um, Sandra should be stripped of her Oscar. And I'm like, listen, try and take it. <laughs> you don't have to go through me. And I'm telling you, you don't want the troubles. Yeah. <laughs> you know, right. it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's not, it's unfortunate, but I don't think the actors or anyone should be penalized because of it. This is just a private matter between the family and and the and Michael Orr. And I think it should just stay between them and not about the movie. Cool. You know? So uh, so I, I got a final question that I always ask all our guests. And uh, I, I have a feeling I might know based on your song, but I'm going to ask it. So tell me, Quentin, what do you feel is the most important thing in life that you've ever learned? Um, okay, so the most important thing in life that I've ever learned was to put God first because he's in control. And every time I've tried to do it on my own, I always fail. But the moment I imply him into my life and what I do, I succeed, you know, mostly because you're not supposed to win at everything. You got to lose, lose sometimes because that's how you learn, you know, but I, I do, I do feel as a Christian that it's more, it's been more productive to me to have him at the front of my life as opposed to me trying to go it alone. So that's the most important thing that I've learned, you know, Powerful. and to do things out of love, you know? <laughs> yeah. So where can people check you out? Do you have any other projects going on right now, Quentin, other movies? Because again, I know with this actor strike, it slowed things down a little bit. Yeah, you know, uh, recently I've had like uh, five projects come my way, which is awesome. So I'm going to be really busy this coming year. Um, aside from that, I also have a movie of my own that I'm trying to get funded uh, as a Christmas comedy. So, you know, it's a Christmas adventure comedy, you know. Think Home Alone meets Adventures in Babysitting, <laughs> something like that. Um, right. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. We're going to collaborate then because I'm looking to fund my documentary. So we definitely need to get off air and talk about it. I'm making a pro wrestling comeback after 25 okay. years not in the ring. I entered back into the squared circle already training and I'm going to film the whole documentary and I'm looking at the funding right now. So we have to that's share awesome. stories about funding things. So that's, I'm learning that whole game now. And I'm like, wow. Yeah. So exciting times. Uh, and best place people can check out your music is where, Quentin? Uh, I have com. is my website. You can go on there and check it out. Um, 
It's uh, Q-U-I-N-T-O-N-A-R-O-N or A-A-R-O-N, like I like to say. But um, yeah, it's that's my website. We can pull up the link to it. Right now, I have one song out. But I'm in the studio a lot, and I'm recording other music. I uh, just got to get it finished. Again, I need funding for that as well, because producers and engineers and studio time is expensive itself. So when you're an independent artist, you got to pay out of pocket. So <laughs> All right. it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. All right. P- appreciate it, Quentin. Thanks again. All right, Thank that, you. Was special, that was a special simulcast of the Neil Haley Show and Celebrity Interviews live from the Grotto with Greg Hanna. Guys, take care.